Welcome to Stay Engaged. Everything you know and love about the IAB's flagship conference, Engage, but reimagined for these extraordinary times. It's Engage, but off stage. We don't need to tell you that podcast intimacy creates engaged and loyal audiences, with listeners looking to their favorite podcasts to help them through tough times. ACAST reflects on connections made and to be made through podcasting. Here's ACAST Sam Shatabi and guests Emily Dean, James Barr, Dan Hudson and Caroline Foran to tell us why podcasts really are a great friend. Hello and welcome to this IAB Stay Engaged panel session about podcasting. This is You've Got a Friend in a Podcast. I'm Sam. I'm the content director for the UK and Ireland at ACAST. And we're here to talk about the power of podcasts uh, in such an unusual time. Um, I'm joined by a fantastic panel of extremely talented podcasters um, who all exemplify why podcasts are such a powerful medium. Um, I'm going to start by introducing James and Dan. James Wah and Dan Hudson are from the top um, LGBT podcast in the UK, a gay and a non-gay. Say hello, guys. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Virtually from across the room. Um, Caroline is from the top mental health podcast in Ireland, owning it, the Anxiety Podcast. Hello, Caroline. Hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, lovely to have you. And then we also have Emily Dean and the lovely little Raymond as well, joining from Walking the Dog uh, podcast from The Times. Say hello, uh, Emily and Raymond. Hello. And I'm afraid Raymond just grunted already. So if you pick that up, many apologies. But, you know, that's all he does. He kind of has a wookie yowl he lets out rather than the bark. Well, this is, this is the beauty of the podcast. It will also be the beauty of this panel that we get to have all these extra sounds. It'll be beautiful. But all, all you guys are great examples of podcasters with really loyal communities around you. And it's all exactly what we need right now is this sort of community and fan base that you guys have created. So we wanted to spotlight your shows and also hear more about how you've developed and sort of curated that uh, community over the past few years. So... Just to tee things up, um, Acast is the world's largest podcast company. We host over 10,000 podcasts globally. I, of course, look after the UK and Ireland, but we are in all uh, markets all uh, around the world. And considering everything that's going on with lockdown, we are seeing record listens every single week uh, across all our markets. Week after week, we are breaking our own uh, listens records. And so obviously people aren't listening during their commutes, but they're listening throughout the day. So you're seeing a real leveling off of the, those peaks throughout the day and people are just engaging as and when they have time. And the weekend is now becoming a really big time for people to catch up with their podcasts. Um, and so we're seeing changes in habits, but still an absolute increase in listening every single week. And as always, people are choosing podcasts for entertainment, for information, and of course, for comfort. And that's partly because podcasting is such an intimate medium. It's probably the most intimate medium out there. And we often say that podcast listening is podcast listens are the most engaged audiences in any media because they're listening through their headphones. And according to our data, 90% of people listen with their headphones. So they're hyper-engaged. It's a deeply personal connection they have with the host. It's very intimate. It's that sort of one-on-one -on -one connection that people really value. So the latest data that we have is that 10 million people in the UK are now listening to podcasts. Um, on the regular. And that's fantastic to see that the fantastic growth with all the great content we have across UK, Ireland and around the world. And the great news is when people start listening to podcasts, they very quickly become obsessed with podcasts. So we're finding that people listen on average seven hours a week to podcasts. So if you think of, you know, a typical podcast might be half an hour to an hour, that could be as many as seven, maybe 10 podcasts in a week that they're listening to, which is fantastic. And what we find is that whether it's a um, absolute mega 
global hit like my dad wrote a porno or a much smaller and more niche show with a very tight-knit audience something that's really common with all podcast audiences is that sense of community that is built over over time as you come back week and week week after week to new episodes so since lockdown we've seen big spikes in comedy um society and culture entertainment and food in particular those are sort of the biggest um categories and verticals that we have for listening uh, as a result of this lockdown. But podcasters are also really quickly adjusting how they record and all their different formats. So all you guys have adjusted to remote recording, which is fantastic. Um, and also some of your formats have adjusted as well. So Caroline has started recording sort of special COVID-19 related sort of anxiety uh, tips and tricks. And Emily, you've also started recording sort of in the living room rather than, you know, on your normal walk, uh, walks around uh, with your celebrity guests. So we're seeing some fantastic examples of podcasters adapting to the world we're in and thriving really um, under this new creative uh, restriction. So um, first of all, let's go through each of the, these shows in detail with, uh, with you guys. If you want to just first, as a sort of top line elevator pitch, describe your show and uh, how it came about. I'll start with uh, with Dan and James. How did Gain and Onge start and what was it really about? Oh, well, I mean, Gain and Onge is actually a really complicated thing to explain. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't really understand the narrative, but basically um, I'm, I'm gay and Dan is not. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's mind-blowing. I don't know how... I, I know, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's really niche. You must have taken Basically, a long time to get the title. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was that um, Dan's girlfriend, my best friend, was like, you two have absolutely nothing in common with each other. You should record a podcast. It'll be really funny. We've learned that despite, you know, having nothing in common, we can actually make a really beautiful friendship. And it's a really important message for the world at the minute when we're all so divided. Like the things that divide us actually make us laugh harder and we should be better people because of that. Um, Caroline, do you want to introduce uh, Owning It as well? Um, and what's your journey been as a podcaster? Um, so Owning It, the podcast, is based on Owning It, the book. Um, and the book was a book I wrote and in 2017 it came out and it was all about how I learned to manage anxiety. For me, it was really crippling. Um, I wasn't functioning for about a year. It really got in the way of my life. And when the book came out, I, I kind of thought I was the only person in the world who was struggling with anxiety to, to that extent. And then when it, when it came out here in Ireland, it was number one for 16 weeks in a row. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one and <laughs> lots of people feel the same. Um, and then I kind of realized after a while that a lot of people, obviously as podcasting was becoming more popular, you know, maybe don't like to read or prefer to listen to their content. And especially with the nature of anxiety, sometimes it can be quite therapeutic and soothing to hear in your ears how you can cope more so than, you know, diving into a big, thick book. So I decided um, that there was an awful lot that could translate really well into a podcast format in more digestible you know, chunks that you could take a topic or a coping skill. And then also as time went on, there was so much more that I was learning and so many more experts that I was um, meeting who there was so much more content there that I had to share. So it just kind of very naturally evolved into a podcast form. Um, and that's kind of where I started by sharing on the podcast, my journey, what's worked for me, what hasn't. And then there's a mixture of experts from different fields like um, neuroscientists, psychologists, psychotherapists, uh, who, who help us to better understand anxiety and the different kinds of anxiety. And then there's all my guests who are just like me, who, who've experienced it in different ways, who can share um, how it's been for them. 
And I think yeah, that's the most important part for me of the show is the is the sharing of people's stories because everyone's experience of mental health and anxiety will be very different. But it means that there is a certain comfort from hearing from other people who are in a similar situation. Emily, I think you'll be able to identify in a very sort of different way around finding comfort through something that's so uh, identifiable with so many people. Everyone who's got a dog will be walking their dog. And I would be surprised if most people who listen to your show are not listening while they're also walking their own dogs. So what's the story (laughs) of the show and how has it grown over time? Well, I started doing the show... Essentially, it came about through sort of the worst of times, in a sense. Don't want to bring a downer on the proceedings. but I lost my family. I lost my sister and both my parents in a three-year period. And it was all, it was all just, you know, it was, it was too much in that small period. It was a bit overwhelming. So one thing I'd always sort of, you know, the, that list of things I'm going to do, but I never actually do. I'm sure everyone on this panel has them. <laughs> Um, and up there was getting a dog. I'd always wanted a dog. I'd never felt, I guess, responsible enough to look after one. I thought that was what grown-ups did. So it was really strange, but grief brought Raymond into my life. I decided to finally commit to it, partly carpe diem and partly just because I felt I wanted to kind of something that offered me unconditional love when I was feeling at this really low point, sort of emotionally and mentally. And it changed my life. I mean, I've, I've shown you all him. He's fairly adorable. <laughs> Well, I then decided, um, I, start, I decided, I'd already decided to do this podcast with The Times. And they said, do you want to do an interview? And how about a dog walk? We discussed it. Um, so initially, I was, the idea was a sort of dog walk. Well, it was a dog walk with celebrity guests. And what appealed to me about that was that you people relax on dog walks. I think there's something interesting about... Firstly, the walk and talk, that sort of West Wing thing where you have those important discussions on the move because (laughs) you're kind of not focused on what's actually going on, which is a kind of a a nice way and a stealth-like way to extract information. You can sort of say, oh, so what happened when you got divorced then? Oh, pick that poo up over there. (laughs) So there's that which is useful. Um, And I, I like the informality of it, of an interview setting outside of a studio. You know, you get the environment around you. So really, I've been doing it... um, I can't remember, I think it's three years now I've been doing it and I absolutely love it. And it sort of develops, the more I do it, as with anything, you know, the more you learn about the process of of doing a podcast and getting the best out of your guests and just creating a sort of original, authentic experience, really. Mm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how your your experience of podcasting differs from your other work in different mediums, so TV and radio? How have you found the podcast audience is very different and what kind of... Is there any similarities in terms of engagement you have with your podcast audience or is it very distinct? The differences I, I would say are podcast, you know, I think you were saying earlier, it's, it's intimate, obviously. Radio is intimate inherently, but there's something about a podcast where I think listeners feel they've chosen to come on that journey with you. They subscribe, they've downloaded it. And to me, that's really important. You know, I'm really forensic about the edit to a point where producers just want to kill me, I think, because I do this paper edit, I mark down everything, I say, there'll always be five or six things which I say, that's not right for the tone of the show. You know, I shouldn't have said that, it feels a bit late night, or it's fine for a comedy show, but I I want this to feel, there to be, I want it to feel a bit like therapy in a sense. So um, to me, that's just something I'm really conscious of. And 
I think I want listeners to be out on a dog walk and to feel I've kept them company. It's like having a mate with another friend. I want them to feel like they're listening in on a conversation. For sure. Like the best podcasts make you feel like you're part of a club. And what better club than, you know, the dog walking group? Um, we, yeah. we often say that nobody accidentally listens to a podcast. You have to consciously tap download or tap to, to stream an episode and consciously subscribe. So people are already clearly engaged when they start listening and when they continue to listen they are they're they're hooked for sure for all of you what do you how do you engage with your audience where do they live is it on social media that you engage with them is it through live shows what how do you engage with that community that you've created um i guess in our case social media is a, a big part of it so we're constantly on twitter and instagram and um james mainly is the one that's posting stuff because he's the one that sort of lives in the LGBT world, whereas obviously I don't. But what's remarkable is um, we we get messages on on Twitter and Instagram DMs and Facebook messages from people all around the world um, all of the time. And some of them are, I, I mean, it's just unbelievable, basically, some of the things that people say that we've helped them with X, Y, Z and... They reduce us. I think the interesting thing is that we learn a lot from our audience just as they do from us. But what we seem to get a lot of, I mean, they just reduce me to tears regularly. And I think Dan as well, to be honest. We had a message from a guy who um, had not been supportive to his gay brother. Um, He didn't understand it. And after listening to Dan and I's friendship, he reached out to his brother and they became friends again. And now that straight guy is going to be the best man at his wedding this year. And he's thanking our podcast for that. That's amazing. And there's so many stories just like that one. Um, And I really don't think we realized at the start that our podcast was doing anything. (laughs) But now we know that actually, despite where we, you know, we live in big cultural centers and there's people everywhere. um, But that isn't the case outside of places like London or Dublin. And there are a lot of communities where gay people are not accepted and where it is, isn't normal to have a gay friend if you're a straight man. So we've created a safe space for that. And also so we get a hell of a lot of content from, from our listeners on, on a small scale, just people saying, oh, you should talk about this or you should talk about that. Um, but also um, we did a documentary for Radio 1, a three-part thing, and that was off the back of somebody emailing us. Um, that was a, a documentary about gay conversion therapy in, in Northern Ireland. And that basically all started off the back of a listener email. And this week at the time of recording, we've got a documentary coming out that we've made ourselves about finding a cure for HIV. And that was all because um, somebody emailed us who's a scientist and a listener and, and invited us to this event where they were talking about a cure for HIV. And I just thought, well, go along. See, I don't know anything about science. I still don't. Um, but let's go along and see, <laughs> see what, what, you know, what might learn something. And then, one thing led to another and we ended up applying for funding to make this documentary about HIV. Um, and we've got an interview with a guy, a guy known as the London patient, who's the second person in the world to be cured of HIV. And none of that would have happened. Like we, we could have sat down for 10 hours. Um, it's all come from, yeah. from people listening, which is, which is incredible. So we're constantly saying to people, just email us anything because you never know. It might spark off something that, that, you know, we could do something with. Yeah. I think that's what's so wonderful about podcasting is it it is so intimate 
Um, Caroline, tell us about how you engage with your audience. Where is that predominantly on social media? Do you ever get to meet them face to face? Um, yes. So my interaction would be mostly on social media um, DMs, mostly some people on Twitter as well. Um, a good few emails, which I'm always wondering, how did my email get out there? Um, and it's been, it's just been amazing. Like people have come to the podcast through the book and then people have come to the books through the podcast. So it's been like Emily was saying, there's been a nice kind of cross promotion there between both um, introducing different kinds of audiences to the different mediums. Um, but for me, it's been, it's been amazing to be able to connect instantly with people from all over the world like like you the guys were saying you really do feel sometimes like it's just you and your mom and your partner maybe listening to you and then i don't i don't even think my best friends listen but it's it's the people who you know are from like i had a message from this girl from bangladesh a while ago who uh, was saying you messaged me to say she'd found the podcast and she was struggling so much with her anxiety and her mental health and that she lived in a society that just completely frowned upon any kind of mental health chat there was no um like there was no allowance for it there was no normalizing of it and she said that she was going to try and like from being inspired by the podcast start a, a support group over there among her peers and stuff and those kind of messages just make you realize the impact that you could have and how quickly you could reach someone and make a difference to someone who really needs it and and how intimate the whole medium really is and the one thing people say again and again is that they feel like like all the guys have said it's like a friend in my ears is comforting me through this and that's what people want the most and and the funny thing is like i mean people have you know, we all have different friends for different roles in our lives, but sometimes a, str- a complete stranger can just resonate with you and give you that comfort that no one else in your life can fulfill. And it does allow you to, like people send me such intimate messages and they divulge so many details about their life. And I also will share, like I don't have a filter at all. So I will share everything on the podcast and almost do it even easier, is that a word? More easily than if I was having a chat with someone in a bar, you know? So I think it's it's the, the, the nature of it has, even though, you know, it's it's in your ears and you're not visually in front of someone, it kind of affords you um, like a freedom and a security uh, to be able to be really authentic. I'm sure you guys feel the same. It's also taught me to be more authentic with myself, whereas before I was hiding a lot and being on the radio, I would not be myself. Whereas now, thanks to my podcast, I feel much more proud of who I am. Um, whereas before, I think I was hiding I think that's such a good point because you can end up doing, especially when you start out, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but you do what sounds like someone doing a slightly bad impression of yourself. You know, everything's, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's like everything's slightly turned up to 11. You're a bit manic. Your voice is louder. And podcasting, I think, is a great training in a sense to learn that authenticity as a broadcaster because people will just turn off. You know, if they sound like you're being on or presenting, I don't think people want that. I think they want to hear, they want to feel as if they're being let into a conversation Mm. rather than being talked to. Absolutely. I think that um, the power of vulnerability has been enhanced by podcasting, you know, for people, whether it's us creating podcasts, like you say, that we can become more authentic and, and like really be proud to be vulnerable in these situations, but also with the amount of people listening to podcasts and really thriving off that authenticity and that realness, I think in general has probably bled into people's lot private lives where they're just a little bit, there's less need to be such a polished version of yourself and people are wow. really 
just and for me like when it comes to anxiety in particular that willingness to own your vulnerability is like such an important place to get to as well so it's like the anti-instagram isn't it like this is real <laughs> yeah. life yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that i'm gonna take that as my own tagline i mean caroline you've pivoted to doing uh episodes or specials around covid and how you can deal with you know things of anxiety around everything that's going on right now Does, was that was that something that came from your audience or was that something you proactively thought your your audience would really value um it was kind of a few things so first of all i had i was kind of ready to go with another series of guest interviews um and um, i also obviously wasn't getting into a studio to record so i felt like i I wanted to do, do more stuff on my own where i was less reliant on guests and also i realized from the amount of people who were coming to the podcast new who had never maybe listen before or coming to the book knew that there were so many people for whom anxiety was an entirely new feeling right now because of the pandemic. Um, and I think that's what's been almost frightening for so many people is, is not just the, the tangible anxieties of financial worries or, you know, health worries right now, but the, the fact that people are experiencing anxiety is unnerving in itself. So I wanted to really reach out to those people and to, to reassure them that it's incredibly normal to feel anxious right now. Like, not only are we, you know, is our mind and body facing a threat of, of you know, physical threat of the virus, you know, all of our, we have all so many different kinds of emotional threats right now. We have this lack of knowing what's going on, this feeling of being out of control. We don't feel that we personally have the resources within us to meet the stresses that are being presented to us. And all of these things give rise to anxiety. So, I kind of started out by just doing, I, I was off season and I just, when, when it all kind of happened, I just did one episode, which I thought might just appeal to people. It was only eight minutes long, just to kind of reassure them that, okay, whatever you're feeling right now is normal. And, and to bring people back to the basics of understanding what anxiety is, how it happens, what's going on in your mind and body and how normal that is. Because like, the thing is we can't control what's going on pandemic wise, but we can always control our perception and our reaction to these things. And that's where we have the most power. And then I just sort of decided between holding off the other season and that episode, that one episode having done very well, and I got so many messages about it, I just thought I would continue for a while by really drilling down into these specific, um, more kind of time sensitive topics. But also, I really want to make sure that I always want my podcast to be evergreen. So, um, so anything that in any of those episodes now, even though it's it's kind of themed around COVID it would still be relevant when we're way at the other side. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to lose out on content that won't be valuable in a year's time. Absolutely. I imagine, Emily, it's the same for you that, you know, although you're recording these episodes from your living room now, um, they will still be universally, uh, you know, you know, uh, accessible and uh, as interesting to your listeners in lockdown or when we're out of lockdown in the future. So what was your thought process around sort of shifting your recording and shifting your format slightly? Well, actually, I should say point of order, they're not in my living room. I found a way to do them remotely. So I record the interviews while I'm on a dog walk with Ray, and the guest is also on a dog walk. That's so it's like we're chatting on the phone. I know. So we, we, that's how we're doing it. And we, we tried it and it actually worked really well. I mean, it's a bit strange because you know, they'll, they'll be referring to things going on and you'll, you'll suddenly hear, I was interviewing Lorraine Kelly the other day and I suddenly heard her saying, oh, Angus, what are you doing? And, and I thought, what's going on? Is Angus her partner? No, no, it's her dog. It's fine. It's not <laughs> but um, so that's been, but, but I quite like that because I like things to sound a bit chaotic and, and unplanned and unscripted, you know, um, as you were saying, James, it's just, it's nice to have that sort of authenticity really. Um, 
I decided to start doing it in lockdown. Initially, I thought, oh, great, I've got a podcast called Walking the Dog, and now we're banned from leaving the house. <laughs> so that was a low point. But then <laughs> I genu- generally, um, as you were saying, Caroline, I had so many people getting in touch, just saying, are you doing any more? You know, um, because they were going on dog walks. You get that one daily mandated walk or allowable walk. And it was content they really wanted, I guess, especially at times like this, that's quite comforting, the idea of a dog walk and having, you know, listening to what everyone else is doing. So that's what, you know, it was really people just reaching out to me saying, are you doing more? And I thought, okay, I want to try and find a way of doing this. So yeah, we're recording some at the moment, um, which is really exciting. And we're hoping to start putting them out fairly soon. So I'm, I'm really pleased that we were able to do it. I'm so excited that you're recording, you're both recording remotely from probably a middle of a field somewhere. That's I know, amazing. I know. So it's, yeah. it's so interesting that, you know, in, in many ways, our habits have, of course, changed. And with podcast listening, we're listening at different times of the day. We might be listening at completely different days of the week than we would do normally. But it sounds like some things have, haven't changed at all. We're still, of course, walking the dog. We're still uh, going out and enjoying, you know, our one hour of mandated walk a day. Have you noticed any particular changes in your audience behavior or um, any habits that have changed that you've been communicated to you at all for your audiences? I think one of the things that again and Ange have noticed is the lack of pride that we can now share with each other. Mm. And I think I'm certainly missing the opportunity to, to march. And I know a lot of our listeners are as well. Um, so what we've decided to do during coronavirus is bring um, the community together in a different way by having a lot more interviews than we're used to. So we've, we've been reaching out to some pretty amazing people and hearing their stories. Um, and just last week, we had an interview with Amanda Jete Knox. She's the mum of a trans non-binary daughter um, and is also married to a trans woman. And her story is just incredible. And it's a real story of humanity I was just going to say, actually, that I think because all of our podcasts, I suppose what they have in common is that to a degree, it's addressing people who sometimes, you know, who feel they need support. And I, it's, it did dawn on me that actually now really is the time because I, I have people that listen to my podcast because of my book and I've dealt with issues of, of grief and loss and anxiety and mental health and all that. I, I do have people getting in touch about that you know and I sometimes have people saying I've lost my family and my dog kept me going or I lost my husband or you know and the dog my dog walks are really important to me so I I did have not a sense I mean it sounds grand to say a sense of social responsibility like don't worry I'm here everyone I'm not going to abandon my people (laughs) having said that it's still that sense of Right, it's a touchstone, isn't it? And when there's so much chaos and life feels out of whack and off kilter and the world's shifted off its axis, the idea that you can still provide that, just that gentle check-in and support, for me, that feels nice, you know, and that's something I think we can probably Yeah, and it's only really podcasts and and radio and that can do that. I mean, you're looking at Coronation Street is going down to like one episode a week or something because they physically can't provide Coronation Street. Whereas we can do this in in this climate relatively easily. Um, So it's amazing that we can, yeah, the the people who are are so so used to, in our case, hearing our episode on a Wednesday, they're still going to get that without any interruptions. And I think that's an amazing thing. 
what I found so remarkable in all of this is that there have been so many opportunities to do new things in podcasting, like whether that's using new technology, finding new ways of formatting your shows. It's actually been a really creative exercise. And we've been really heartened at ACAST and the content team, seeing all our podcasters adapt really positively to all of this. And um, it's a... I think it's going to change podcasting forever, but it also just proves that podcasting can be a real constant. You can have that same community uh, contact with all of your listeners. It's um, it's something that, that can be relied upon. And uniquely, like you say, compared to other mediums, we're we're growing, we're still strong, and we're still producing content uh, for all those listeners. Um, I'm going to pivot slightly to talking about brands. Obviously, we're at the IAB uh, event, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sponsorship and advertising. All of you will have some experience working with sponsors with your content and you're obviously as the, the controllers of that content, you are responsible for it and you feel very uh, responsible for who you work with. So maybe Emily, you can you can start us off like how do you, uh, what, what represents a good sponsorship for you? What, what is a good brand relationship and what do you look for when you're um, speaking to a brand and you know starting that sponsorship? Well, I think my approach to sponsorship, it doesn't really differ to my approach to the editorial content, really, because I sort of think, well, you're listening to this. It's part of, you know, it's going out along with the editorial. So it's really important to me that I maintain those standards when I'm doing any sponsorship read. So I always, you know, and it's meant testing some really interesting products, <laughs> but I quite like that. So that's that's sort of a real thing to me that I have to spend time with it and use it and get to know it. And just personalization to me is really is the key all the time so that I write the reads. I never read any, I mean, obviously, if there's a, a brand line which needs to go in there, I'm happy to do that in my radio voice if they want that. But in terms of the meat and bones of the read, I always want that to be hugely personal. It's first person. It's I use this. I thought this. Um, yeah, I write it. I mean, I, I was a journalist uh, for a long time, so I suppose I would write it like I would write a piece of copy, essentially, and I rewrite it and, um, you know, try it aloud to see if it sounds okay. So I spend a lot of time on it. I think... It's, it feels satisfying when you get it right. I'm sure you guys have experienced that. When you feel it's that sense of um, doing it properly, thinking I can sort of go out and say, I've used that product. It's my genuine experience of it. And this is, you know, what I think of it. So that I feel there's an integrity with my relationship with my listeners, really. Yeah, we've, you know, and I'm not just saying, oh, here's this thing. I, I have no clue what this is, but <laughs> apparently it's good. You know, it's about trust, really. There's a real trust thing, I think, with your listeners when you're a podcaster. And it's your brand as an individual. So I, the more information I have from a brand is, is really useful to me. Just um, And getting to try the, the product itself. I mean, within reason, obviously. You know, if it's an insurance product, I don't want to go out and you know, have a car accident. <laughs> but um, but um, I do... You know what? I get a lot of pet-related sponsorship, for example, which is great. Raymond has never had it so good. <laughs> he just literally—he's the postman arrives with these boxes, and his—he just jumps for joy. So, yeah, that's a, that's a nice thing that I'm able to do. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. But for me, that the trust and the integrity is so vital. And luckily, all the brands that I've worked with so far 
they seem really they love that you know they love you getting involved they don't want you just to read some sort of ad that's not personal they want it to be totally sort of you know catering towards your readers and your own experience in in my experience it's a little bit different coming from ireland so obviously when i've worked with brands that are in the uk it's been exactly like what you've described emily and i've been really just so pleased to see that level of trust and um, not only you know obviously the, you have to have so much respect for your audience you could so easily mess it up um, and throw them off and, and lose that integrity but the, the fact that any brands that I've worked with in the UK have been just like oh yeah like whatever you think whatever you think your audience will respond to we want it to be like content first so it's so well blended into the editorial like you say whereas in Ireland I think um, there's a little bit of a delay there because our, we had such a massive influencer industry here and brands had such enormous amounts of control over, you know, whether it was Instagram or Twitter or whatever, where, where every word would be poured over. And now they're having, with the nature of podcasting, they have to kind of relax that control to, to really trust the podcast creator to to know what works for their audience and to deliver the best message that will satisfy the brand, you as a creator and the audience listening. So it's quite a learning curve over here for brands to let go of that level of control. And they're just, they're so used to having so much like really granular approval. And so I'm noticing a massive difference between the UK brands and the Irish brands because the Irish brands are a little bit slower on the uptake of believing and understanding in the power of podcasting. Whereas in the UK, it's it's, any brands I've worked with, it's been such a pleasure for them. I've never had a brand come back and and change anything of, of the script that I've written for my read of a sponsorship. And it's just been, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely how it needs to be. It's how the industry and how sponsorship needs to work. So it's authentic and be- beneficial for everyone. But I, th- I still think it from on the Irish side of things, we're still moving away from that very traditional, really heavily um, monitored kind of sponsorship. I think from, from ACOS point of view, I mean, we, we, the best thing we can have in a sponsorship is for it to be as natural and authentic as possible from the podcast. So the more relatable it is to your listeners, the more in keeping with your tone and style, the better. And that's the best thing for the brand. That's the best thing for the listener, but it's also the best thing for you because you want to be putting yourself into this and it be to be, you know, an endorsement that's true and, uh, and feels in keeping with your with your own content. So I think we benefit from you know four or five years in the UK of all, of being around and really creating the sort of the podcast advertising industry uh, in the in the way that we want it to be to be that natural authentic um, option. Um, and in Ireland we're relatively early in that, so we're only a year into our uh, our operations in Ireland. And I think we can like definitely see parallels to the first year when we were in the UK, and it will definitely move in that direction as people realise this is a really powerful and very unique medium you want it to be as um authentic as possible so you are making it tailored to the podcast audience rather than treating it like any other sort of form of advertising i mean i understand that it's scary for brands because you're you know you're really handing over something that involves so many people and so many different chains of command but it does it requires a leap of faith that you know, it would be if I was a business owner, you want to pour over every word. So I get it from both sides, but it really, we have to get to that point where it's where we are, where you guys are in the UK, where it's just that like flexibility and authenticity and integrity and just that trust. Yeah, we trust you guys to know your audience better than anyone, better than us, better than the brand. You know your audience completely and intimately. Uh, is that what you would say for your audience, James? Something like you you know them best than anyone else. Yeah, I think also we're quite picky and we're really <laughs> protective over our audience and our community and what we what we sell to them. Mm. And 
unless it's authentic, it, we won't we won't take the money. We want it to be something that really connects with our listeners on their level <laughs> and relates to the community. I think we've also got a really interesting opportunity in that we also have a straight audience as well as a gay one, and we're merging those two worlds. So whenever we're promoting something that is gay, we'll make sure that that also includes the non-gay minority <laughs> community as well. So we were working with a dating app and it was exclusively for gay men. So we, we made sure that we have messaging in there too about how that is important if you're straight because maybe your gay friend hasn't heard of this app yet. And actually it's a pretty nice one because it's not just about sex and sleeping around, but it's about finding a more meaningful connection. Um, so we made sure that there was a, a non-gay angle in there too. And yeah, I think it, it's just so important to make sure that the product that you're advertising um, relates to you just as much as it does your audience. And podcasting is such an amazing way to make that connection, it, unlike any other medium, because you know exactly who's listening. I've always found it very inspiring. You know, you often think of people in the same field, and I always think it's, it's useful to think of someone and think, what would they do? And I always hold up Adam Buxton, who I know is in the ACAL stable as well, as a real example of someone who's so successfully managed to sort of master that whole sort of branding stuff um, and blending it so brilliantly. The tone is perfect. I, I just think it's useful to see, you know, that that was really key for me. I would listen to ads that I liked and thought, right, it is possible to do this in a way that it really blends organically with mm. the editorial content. And as you were saying, James, you know, that I, I'm, I'm really hot on that as well, just making sure it feels right. And luckily, most of the stuff I get is, is perfect and is tailored to me. But it's, um, yeah, it's a responsibility, isn't it? And yeah. you just, I think you just have to approach it by saying, I want everything that goes out in this hour or however long it is to sound right. Yeah. You know? Whether that's weirdly, we're also um, we're also advertising ourselves at the minute because we've previously advertised tours um, and we've come up with this new merch, uh, which is like a pronoun T-shirt, and I wear it everywhere I go at the minute. But uh, we see sales coming through every time we drop a new episode, and it's amazing to see that connection to our audience firsthand. Like we're almost the advertiser and the product right now, and seeing the connection it has and the power that those adverts we've popped in are having is incredible. I think it speaks to what Caroline was saying, that it requires a lot of trust and faith from the brand to, you know, put you guys in charge of, you know, that messaging. But you guys are clearly saying that you treat the sponsorship and the editorial is as important as each other. They are both extremely valuable and something that you, you know, pour your creativity and all your attention yeah. into. So hopefully that reassures brands that podcasting, not only is it super in intimate and engaged and you're likely to have incredible results from the advertising, but the, the product of the sponsorship read itself is likely to be poured over by some truly talented, you know, podcasters who really want to make it as great <laughs> as possible. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys. This has been a really fascinating look at community and how podcasts are so unique as a medium. Um, we will share, of course, the links to all of your shows so everyone can enjoy uh, the episodes. But um, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I'm sure we'll have a chance to actually meet in person very, very soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Lots of love to everyone. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Thank you. And bye, Thanks, everyone. Raymond. Thanks, Sam. Bye from Raymond. Say goodbye, Raymond. Raymond. No, he's ghosting you. Not Sorry. Oh, what? <laughs> Another man ghosting me. <laughs>
listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In the next offstage session, the doctor is in the house. Specifically, Quantcast Dr. Peter Day, who will be giving us his take on a cookie-less future, coming up as part of Stay Engaged.